Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Kidney Corner Podcast. I am Michelle Vanderberg, the Kidney Transplant Manager at Integris Health Nazi Zudi Transplant Institute. Today's topic will be about an organ offered that has risk factors associated with it. Here to help me sort through this topic and better explain it is our PA, Megan Barton, and pharmacist, Jared Schaefer. Hi, I'm Megan Barton, and I've been with the transplant team for a little over eight years. And I'm Jared Schaefer, a transplant pharmacist with the kidney team. I've been on the team about five years now. Thank you for joining us and helping guide us through something that I think can scare or intimidate some of our possible transplant patients when they get that call. A lot is going on in a patient's mind at that time, and one of our coordinators makes the call to let them know there's a potential kidney offer for them. That possible recipient is experiencing a range of emotions such as fear, excitement, anxiety, all at the same time that our coordinator is on the phone explaining to them that this organ offer has risk factors associated with it. And then we immediately ask them if they're willing to accept this organ. All of that can just be a little bit overwhelming. So Megan, let's start with having you define what has to be present in order for the donor to be considered increased risk. So increased risk would be when that donor has any risk criteria that would put them at an increased risk of having acute HIV, hepatitis B, or hepatitis C infection. You mentioned donors having risk criteria. Can can you explain what that means? So this is a list uh, that would put increased risk donors into uh, this subset. Anybody that has had sexual contact with a person known or suspected to have HIV, hepatitis B, or hepatitis C. A male who has had sex with another male. Sex in exchange for money or drugs. Sex with a person who has had sex in exchange for money or drugs. A drug injected for non-medical reasons. Sex with a person who injected drugs for non-medical reasons. Incarceration for greater than three consecutive days, a child breastfed by a mother with HIV infection, a child born to a mother with HIV, hepatitis B, or hepatitis C infection, or a donor with unknown medical or social history. Here at Nazi Zudi Transplant, we don't transplant hepatitis B positive kidneys. Why is that? Correct. So we do not transplant hepatitis B organs. Contracting hepatitis B would require extensive treatment, uh, basically lifelong treatment. So there's the issue of adhering to lifelong uh, medication from this standpoint. And also the hepatitis B virus has a high rate of resistance against treatment as well. And what about HIV? So yes, we do transplant HIV organs, but only into HIV positive recipients. The recipients must be actively followed by their infectious disease physician, and they also must have undetected viral loads and CD4 counts above 250. So for the focus of this podcast discussion, the main risk factor we will be discussing is hep C. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So when the choice is made to proceed with the organ donation, 
The organ procurement organization will draw blood from the donor and test the blood for those infections that you just mentioned. Yes, and we actually have very sensitive and advanced techniques for doing this called nucleic acid testing. And what this testing does is it shortens the window period of detection. So people are able to contract hepatitis B, hepatitis C, or HIV, and it not be detected in the blood if it's been a short window period. And this specific testing helps to shorten that window period. So hepatitis B can be detected within 10 days of exposure, hepatitis C within one day, and HIV within three days. Okay, can we talk a little bit more about hepatitis C? Um, Hep C is an infection of the liver, correct? Yes, so hepatitis C is a viral infection causing liver inflammation, which, if it is left untreated, can advance to liver disease. And can you tell me how it's contracted? So hepatitis C is contracted through blood of an infected individual, whether that be through sharing dirty needles or tattoo equipment, or in the situation that we're currently discussing through transplanted organs. Why would there be a concern for transplant patients receiving a kidney from a donor who is hep C positive? So if a recipient receives a hepatitis C positive kidney, they have a 99% chance of contracting hepatitis C. And as discussed, if left untreated, there's a concern for causing liver failure. So if the recipient agrees to accept a hep C positive kidney and we transplant them, they will definitely contract hepatitis C and need treatment? Yes, that's correct. And at the time of transplant, our liver team is actually contacted to see the patient, order appropriate lab tests, and then they are followed up on an outpatient basis in the liver clinic until the hepatitis C infection is completely treated. Okay. Jared, is it true that hep C can be treated with medication? Yeah, uh, thankfully, we're successful in treating hepatitis C about 95% of the time, and, and usually that remaining 5% is, is due to non-adherence or non-compliance or some other kind of variable that's uh, affecting the efficacy of the treatment regimen. Um, so yes, after the, after the course of therapy, uh, it is almost always 100, you know, cleared totally from the body and there's no hepatitis C infection remaining. Can you tell me about those medications and what the regimen's like? So there are three medications on the market currently that are being used for hepatitis C. The names of those drugs are Maverit, Epclusa, and Harboni, and those all have generic medications associated with them as well. You know, and the choice of this agent is gonna be dependent upon a few different factors. Uh, one thing being insurance. Um, insurance is gonna choose does it need to be generic? Does it need to be brand? Which, which agent may need to be used? And then the other thing that, that dictates our choice of agent is going to be um, what kind of genotype the hepatitis C is. And what I mean by, by genotype is that there's several different types of hepatitis C, and each one can be treated a little different uh, based on what, what kind it is. So once we get that genotype back um, of that virus, we're able to choose an agent that's going to be the most efficacious towards that towards that particular virus. And so these medicines, these are going to be used on a daily basis, and the typical course is about 12 weeks. And what we do is we follow um, viral load or, or how much virus is in the body over time um, through that 12 weeks to make sure it's responding appropriately and, and, and moving in the right direction. And by week 12, there should not be any hepatitis C remaining in the body. 
Okay. Can you tell me about what the average cost of the medication is and if insurance will cover that? So here's the scary part. This medis these medicines are, are very expensive. Thankfully, insurance covers these very well, though. Uh, a typical course can run anywhere from $30,000 to $120,000 for the complete course of therapy. Um, and in those cases in which insurance doesn't cover it well, there's thankfully different resources we can use to get this medication paid for. You know, with commercial insurances, there's copay cards, and, and when we just have like a Medicare insurance that doesn't cover it well, a lot of times there's foundations out there that's able to provide enough resources to be able to pay for these medicines. One of the biggest complaints I've heard our patients say is that these medications have terrible side effects. Can you help clear up um, if there are any side effects to be concerned about with these medications? Absolutely. So thankfully, these medications are fairly well tolerated. Uh, there are occasional reports of, of fatigue or feeling tired or, or headache or some GI complaints like nausea, uh, vomiting, maybe diarrhea. but these are pretty far, uh, few and far in between. Um, and when these do occur, usually we can, these are fairly managed, managed fairly well with over-the-counter agents and other, other kinds of modalities like that. What would follow-up lab monitoring look like for our patients who decide to accept a kidney that does have risk factors. So anybody that receives a kidney will be tested for hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and HIV with their initial labs at the time of admission. And then we check those again at about six weeks to ensure that the patient did not require, sorry, acquire an infection from the transplant. And then for those that have received an organ um, that is hepatitis C positive, again, as I had previously mentioned, the liver team will be consulted to see them in the hospital and follow them on an outpatient basis to ensure that that virus is being less detected in the blood with each blood draw while they're on the medications, and then to ensure that they have complete resolution of the virus. The CDC states that transplant candidates may have a higher chance of survival by accepting organs from donors with risk factors for HIV, hepatitis B, and hepatitis C infections compared to waiting for an organ from a donor without these factors. Can you explain why this is true? So it is actually statistically shown that a patient that turns down an increased risk organ will wait longer on the list for a transplant and in some situations unfortunately pass away <clears throat> before receiving a transplant. And you have to keep in mind the mortality risk of a dialysis dependent patient is about 15 to 20 percent per year and their overall five-year survival rate is under 50 percent compared to a transplant patient whose survival rate after five years is around 80 percent. And also something to take into consideration is that a lot of times these increased risk donors are younger, they're healthier, and they're actually higher quality kidneys that will last the patient a lot longer uh, after being transplanted. Is there a specific group of patients that should consider donors with risk factors such as our older population of patients or those with more common blood groups um, or the sicker 
uh, patient population? So truthfully, all patients should consider an increased risk organ. And as mentioned before, you know, these are your younger, healthier organs that typically have a much longer longevity. But patients with blood group B and blood group O do tend to wait longer on the list, as well as those that are highly sensitized. But ultimately, again, every patient should consider a high-risk organ. In your professional opinion, do you think that we utilize organs with risk factors like we should? Or do you think that with the statement risk factors comes some fear and those organs get refused more often than they should? So I do think that there are a fair amount of organs that are discarded because of the fear factor. And I think that that can come along with the patient hearing the quote increased risk uh, being described with the organ. However, it is our job as a transplant center to fully explain what the meaning of increased risk is and the reason why the patient would benefit from taking this organ offer. How can we as a team help improve this? So one of the biggest ways to improve the utilization of increased risk organs is really just to educate the patient, to educate them at their initial evaluation to be put on the list, to educate them every time that we see them once they're on the wait list. And equally as important would be to educate the general nephrology community about what an increased risk organ is, what it entails, and why it is a better option for their patients. Because these patients, a lot of times, who have been seeing their nephrologist, they take their advice, they ask them you know, questions regarding the organ offers. And so if we can do a better job at discussing what increased risk is to the general nephrology population, they will have a better understanding and be uh, better at educating their patients at the time of the offer. If you had one piece of advice to share with our listeners about accepting an organ from a donor with risk factors, what would it be? So the biggest thing would just be to talk to your transplant center to ask questions. You know, when you initially get a phone call from the coordinator, if you do not feel comfortable with those answers, there's nothing wrong with asking to speak to a physician in more detail. You know, and as I've discussed before, we always want our patients to succeed, and that only happens if the organ itself succeeds. So our job is to take all the appropriate precautions and to do as much educating as we can to ensure that this happens. Thank you very much. Um, thank you guys for listening today. If you have any questions, you can contact our office at 405-949-3816.